You're listening to Brand to Brand, the marketing show. With your hosts, Thomas Sterling. This is the future. This is where everything goes. And Veronica St. Cyr. Why the hell would anybody buy this? An unfiltered conversation on brand strategy. And it worked like crazy. Marketing trends. I think they're in again. And emerging technology. There's going to be big impacts here. You're excited. I'm pumped. (laughs) All right, let's kick things off. What's up, everyone? Last episode, we talked about for-profit brands that were leveraging causes and givebacks, one-to-one initiatives, really showcasing what they care about, what their beliefs are. Today, we wanted to take it a step further and talk about brands that are leveraging corporate social responsibility and environmental social governance, ESG initiatives. Over 86% of consumers today expect companies to take a stand on social issues. And if we think about Gen Z's, we think about millennials, this is only becoming a more and more important initiative. And so you're seeing more and more brands take stances. V, what are your thoughts on this? Well, as we mentioned in the previous episode on cause marketing, looking at Tom's shoes and Allbirds shoes, uh, we talked about businesses feeling a sense of responsibility for their impact on the world. And there's no better business move because beyond being able to sleep at night, um, if your business (laughs) can protect the planet, you get to market yourself as a brand that does good. As you just mentioned, 86% of consumers are expecting that. Or you get to protect the planet so you actually have a planet to continue to do business on. Mm. It's a win-win. That's deep. (laughs) And with that, let's get into it. It's a little bit of shake and then fake. Shake and fake. That's what you say. Yeah, you say it. Philip Morris versus Ben and Jerry's. I think I have a guess where you're going to go. Oh, Philip Morris, sweetheart. <laughs> no, I'm obviously Ben and Jerry's. I know. That's so on brand. I will take it. I'm proud. I don't see the tie-dye shirt. I thought maybe that was going to happen. I had one all in middle gray. school. I know. You I'm went actually, all gray. Right, I'm devoid of color. Listen, before we jump in the ring and our brands battle it out, we wanted to dive into defining the frameworks that we're discussing today. First up. What the hell is CSR? Many business leaders have come to recognize they have a responsibility to do what's best, not just for their companies, but for people, the planet, and society. This idea is known as Corporate Social Responsibility, or CSR, and it's led to the emergence of companies that carry socially responsible designations, such as B corporations, social purpose corporations, and low-profit limited liability companies. Next up on the (laughs) acronym tour, let's define ESG. ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. You can think of it as an analysis framework to help measure and quantify the degree to which an organization is operating in a sustainable manner. Environmental assessment criteria help stakeholders understand an organization's impact on the environment and the climate. I think what I love about both these videos is they sort of start the conversation saying corporations are really just here to profit. Come on, right? But there was a time, there was a time earlier in America's industry where companies were smaller. They took care of the companies and organizations in their backyard. They had relationships with the local community. But as brands got bigger... And certainly really around the 50s, it was a very different situation. And so that's where CSR really first came to market, became something that people were thinking about. And really, ESG has just come in and taken it to another level. Really, businesses being much more 
responsible for what they're doing in the environment and what they're doing in their communities and really almost grading them. Well, on that note, one of the things I love about Ben and Jerry's, first of all, we all know Ben and Jerry's ice cream, whether we've sought solace after a breakup and found ourselves (laughs) in a pint, whether we've sought sustenance when we had the munchies in college. Oh, all right. Don't lie. I know it was a lot of you. But we all know Ben and Jerry's, the ice cream company that started in Vermont in 1978. Um, This is a company that has had a long tradition of social responsibility. In 1985, the company started donating 7.5% of their pre-tax earnings to social causes. In 2001, they made a documentary called Citizen Cool about ordinary people making a change in their own communities. And they celebrated this, of course, with the release of a new ice cream flavor based on movie treats called Concession Obsession. I love it. Ben and Jerry have branded themselves as activists, and you see them speaking all the time at at protests and using their platform through their ice cream brand (laughs) to be able to do it, which is fascinating. So this is a company when you talk about something like CSR, Ben and Jerry's comes to mind for a lot of people. I don't know if Philip Morris. I I think Philip Morris is another beloved brand. And for those that don't know Philip Morris, they're the good people behind Big Tobacco. Mm. Philip Morris owns brands like Marlboro, Virginia Slims. I think it's for, good for weight loss. Uh, they also more Virginia recently, <laughs> they also more recently are a minority stake owner in Jewel, and I think that kind of speaks to their innovation, their and unrelenting <laughs> grip on your lungs. Philip Morris, though, really has made a lot of efforts from a corporate social responsibility standpoint. In 2011, they implemented a whole bunch of social initiatives. And I think big picture, they were trying to focus on reducing the amount of child labor involved in making cigarettes. Oh, so that's good, that's something right? Something that that's you had to good, reduce they, from the beginning. Reduce, maybe it doesn't have to all go away, but so try to lower that. Responsible of them. <laughs> they in 2016 launched a smoke-free future, which what? is yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but what that meant was really just setting a target of generating just 50 percent of their revenue from smoke-free products uh. by 2030, which they're working on. Okay. And in 2019, they also set a initiative to be zero carbon emissions by 2030. So Uh lowering their carbon footprint. Where does all that smoke go? Because like, (laughs) okay, the carbon footprint, but I'm still having to inhale some guy's cigarette when I'm having a coffee outside. Like it's good for the environment. Now they've reached, they've got some new data there that says it's good. 2020 really focused around DEI. They launched some initiatives, lowering gender inequality in leadership positions. Come on, women, please don't you, work for Big Tobacco. <laughs> don't do this to you, me. You seem less than impressed by Big Tobacco and Philip Morris specifically. When we talk about these initiatives being bullshit, <laughs> I am smelling <laughs> a cigarette stench that smells a lot like bullshit. It just entered and filled the room. What do you mean? <laughs> What's interesting about a brand like Ben & Jerry's is in 2000, I think some people know this. I don't know if this is like common knowledge that they sold to Unilever. I think for their brand story, it's a little bit of like a hard yeah, truth. I thought take. Ben and Jerry were still just making the ice cream in their garage. <laughs> like I just, I think they, they definitely haven't tried to uh, change that brand story at no. all. And why would they? Well, why would they want to? What's fascinating is uh, in the acquisition agreement, they laid out a unique 
governance structure that that retained the company's independent board of directors who were truly responsible for protecting the company's brand and pursuing the ESG efforts. In 2012, huge fun fact, Ben and Jerry's became the first wholly owned subsidiary in the world to gain the B Corp certification. I mean, why don't you define for the listeners what a B Corp is if they don't know? Yeah, B Corp uh, is basically a high level of standards that a company has to meet in order to receive that certification in environmental and social areas. Philip Morris, not well, a B Corp. Well, back to Philip Morris <laughs> and their unbelievable advances in the workplace. Barron's an online publication that produces all sorts of information about what's going on in the marketplace. Just recently in January, published an article, they said, Philip Morris stock is about to get smoking hot. (laughs) They were talking specifically about how smokeless products are becoming more and more a part of their bottom line because globally, the sales of cigarettes are declining and continue to decline because younger consumers aren't interested. The health concerns are just very well known now. Also vape niche. Mm, Vape niche. (laughs) All jokes aside, the reason we wanted to talk about Philip Morris is because they've faced tremendous criticism over the years for their CSR initiatives. In some cases, you know, it's it's almost like they were a wolf in sheep's clothing. This is a brand that used kids to market cigarettes. They used to have kids singing jingles on TV. This is the same brand that had the CEO of the time in the 70s go on TV and say pregnant women faced no health concerns for smoking cigarettes, just smaller babies. Oh Let me play the clip. You just you just got to hear it. Have they been proved to be safe, Mr. Coleman? I believe they have not been proved to be unsafe because when, as and if, any ingredient in cigarette smoke is identified as being injurious to human health, we are confident that we can eliminate that ingredient. And I concluded from that report... It's true. The babies born from women who smoke are smaller, but they're just as healthy as the babies born from women who do not smoke. What about the higher rate? Some women would prefer having smaller babies. (laughs) What in the Mad Men fuck is that? (laughs) And I mean, they're facing a lot of criticism for their reduced risk products. Love the term, reduced risk. There's still risk. We just reduced it. And this is a brand that is incredibly well known for their lobbying and their political Mm -hmm. influence. So in so many ways, I think this is a perfect example where some not so great corporations are hiding behind some of these initiatives. Right. They're like, look how amazing we are. It's reduced risk. And it's like, yeah, it's no longer a bomb. It's a hand grenade. It doesn't make it better. (laughs) Ben and Jerry's has throughout their entire history, not swayed from that mission of enacting real change when it comes to environmental and social issues. Uh, And I have a clip to uh, tee us up on this. Ben and Jerry's really takes a fairly liberal stance on a lot of political issues. And Ben and Jerry's has not shied away from making those positions very public. They've spoken out about how they were advised by counterparts in the industry that speaking out and taking these activist positions would hurt their bottom line. This was just not something that businesses were doing. But Ben and Jerry's pushed ahead, and by 1999, it reported $237 million in sales. 
I think you can see across that entire piece talking about the two founders, how this was something that was really authentic to them. And so it would be a brand betrayal if when they were bought by Unilever for them to drop any of that. That's a little different than when it's a brand that's trying to cash in mm. on the opportunity of taking a social cause. And I think consumers are smart. There's all the information on social media. And so if it's not really an honest and true thing that ties back to the brand that you are, then people aren't going to buy it. And we are seeing beyond this when we talk about ESG and some of the reporting requirements for proving some of these initiatives and proving really their impact. In December of 2022, the U European Parliament took this 20 steps further and adopted CSRD to add another acronym to today's show. We don't have enough. <laughs> we do not have <clears throat> and enough. And there'll be more. We're, and there did, will be more. We did our quota. <laughs> the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive will begin to see its implementation in 2024. The CSRD specifies the format of disclosure and standards that companies must use for their reports. It also has an emphasis on double materiality, meaning companies will need to detail both their impacts on the environment and the climate-related risks that they face. There is talk that this will affect U.S. companies. There also should be talk and should be more talk about the U.S. adopting something like this and holding these companies to a standard we would hold us. We can't litter. That's Abs illegal. Absolutely. And so for them to be putting out CSRD, it just further will bring downstream impacts to American brands. Whether or not it's something that we have to do in America, it's still going to be an important consideration. And I think it speaks towards taking out some of the smoke and mirrors that pun, corporate social responsibility had had before. <laughs> <sighs> Excuse me. I always like to take a smoke break halfway through the episode. <laughs> So if we had to talk about any other brands, Veronica? Um, we've talked about Starbucks on the podcast. They are another company that's been heralded for CSR initiatives, though maybe smells a little less like coffee, a little more like bullshit because like they are definitely doing a lot of polluting. <laughs> but their coffee is almost entirely ethically sourced, which was in the research almost. I'm like, what the what does that hell mean? does that mean? Who's saying almost? Why I, can't they just say fully ethically I sourced? Always, I cite my sources in the show notes, Tom. Okay. So, right. um, they created their groundbreaking college programs for employees and they use green building initiatives. It starts to blur together when you read all of these. It's it like is, everybody has the same thing. Everybody's got their something. Delta Airlines, they have done a really good job of putting out their initiatives. But I always struggle with that. How, as an airline, I know you're filling that thing all the way up. How are you getting <laughs> to... Carbon zero. It's through carbon offsets. And there's all sorts of private equity and hedge funds and other big corporations now that are buying huge rainforests and big land that they can then sell back to corporations so corporations can take credit for that. That forest was there before. How are you getting credit for it now? Oh, the corporate adopt a highway program. Love it. But they are doing some interesting thing with fuels. And so apparently they have a fuel now that can reduce emissions by 80%. So after digging into that, that was impressive. Coca-Cola is another brand that we have to mention mm. when talking about ESG initiatives in particular. In 2020, Coca-Cola was named the worst plastic polluter on the entire planet for a third year 
in a row. Mm. One year later in 2021, they launched their first ESG report. They claim that they will reduce their carbon footprint by 25% in 2030. Now, was it like the on the third year in a row they got that trophy, which was probably just like a giant toilet that was like, <laughs> congratulations, you are again the worst plastic polluter. And they said, you know what, finally, we'll take this seriously and start to think about our impact on the planet. It's a beautiful um, report. Oh, All 80 pages, yeah, 80 very pages. glossy. It's very impressive. It is an impressive report, and as all sustainable companies do, they have a whole page on their website dedicated to it, so you know it's real and they mean it. I mean, across a lot of these brands, the ones that are chiming and screaming the loudest about these fabulous initiatives are the ones that are doing some real harm. And now for something completely different. So if we had to put this to work as marketers, first step would be educating leadership. There's a lot of great opportunity here. There's upside for the business and there's opportunities to reach new audiences based off of their beliefs, based off of their values. And so it's about educating the organization on where the opportunities are. Next, create a materiality assessment. Now that's more specifically if you're focused on ESG. Right. But it's about doing an assessment of the organization, finding out where the opportunities are, finding out what aligns most closely with our values. The thing with ESG is there's already a lot of great documentation from what other brands are doing. So you have a good starting point. There's a lot more that's being evaluated as a part of the process. And so as you're having conversations, looking at trends and better understanding what makes the most sense. Next, it's about really setting achievable goals and targets. The brands we talked about today have all laid out, by 2030, we're going to do this. By 2025, we're going to do that. They're setting what they see to be attainable goals. Because once you get these initiatives started, once you start publishing the report, people are watching. They're watching your activity. They're watching what you're doing. So establish what those goals are and then put policies and procedures together with how you're going to get there. And then it's a stakeholder engagement process from there. You're engaging with internal stakeholders. You're engaging with external stakeholders. Do not take on more than is attainable because you will be judged on social media, judged by your community, judged by your stakeholders by where you miss the mark. And remember this, the Philip Morris smoker really gets what other smokers only hope to get. So for perfect smoking pleasure, call for Philip Morris. I mean, don't you just want to go smoke oh, a pack of cigs? That is so bad. That kid is 11 or maybe 7. It's hard to tell. <laughs> so if you had to take anything away from the show, what would it be? It's that... CSR and ESG are sometimes only PR, and that's BS. <laughs> TTYL. <laughs> wow, geez. Well, mine would be, the next generation is demanding more from businesses, so it's never been a better time to get your values and your beliefs defined. And with that, we're out, folks. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, smash the subscribe button or listen wherever you get your podcasts. We're out of here.